Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, Practicing the Way, the Sabbath Practice. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody here in the house, as well as those of you joining us online. Look, we're in the second week of this series. It's called Practicing the Way, and I really want to encourage you to do all you can to lean in and learn during this series, and I'll tell you more about that at the end of my message. But it's called Practicing the Way, and you wonder, what that's, what's that about? Well, in the, Old, in the New Testament, when you, you read, particularly in the book of Acts, about the followers of Jesus, they were called members of the way, the way of Jesus. And, and practicing the way is about leaning into those spiritual practices, those spiritual disciplines that help us become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And, and here's the thing. I believe in our culture today, a lot of us think if we get a lot more information, it's going to make us know more and obviously become more followers. But that's really not true because we can take in information and it doesn't change us. It doesn't at all transform the way we live. But we need to recognize that to be a follower of Jesus, we don't need more information. We need transformation. And so practicing the way, literally trying these disciplines will help us become more like Jesus as fully devoted followers of him. Now, as you saw from our buffer video, we're talking about Sabbath practice. And so today I've asked Kevin and Chelsea Smith if they would come and share how their family is leaning into the Sabbath practice. So give them a warm Valley Brook welcome. Good morning. We're there. Uh, well, thank you. And um, we'd like to thank Pastor Clark for inviting us to speak again this time on our family's journey into Sabbath. And our attention to taking this ancient Judaic Christian practice seriously for the first time was when, as parents of three small children, we, and mostly me as a dad, were feeling a bit overwhelmed and perhaps inadequate to how we were to live our day-to-day -day lives as a family. I was personally feeling the need to understand what it meant to be a Christ-centered dad and finding practical ways to carry that out for our family and our home. Then a few short years ago, I came across a wonderful resource that strives to help build Jesus-centered families on mission for the purpose of multi-generational blessing for the modern age. Through this, we first learned how to practically live into a seven-day rhythm, with Sabbath being the crescendo, what we work towards and what we live from. So now Chelsea will share what our typical weekly Sabbath looks like. Sabbath at the Smith household happens on Sundays and is designed to be the best day of the week. It often kicks off with a special breakfast of pancakes and our Sabbath prayer slash mantra. On Sabbath, we rest, we play, we don't work. God loves us. Amen. 
A brief family table gathering follows where we sit together, discuss the events of the upcoming week, check in on prayer requests from the previous week, and pray over our offering to the church. Since we have three children under the age of seven, it's a very short gathering. <laughs> Chores, laundry, housework, and errands are avoided to the best of our ability, though we do make beds and make sure the dishes are clean just because of my type A personality's sake. Um, but once everyone's dressed, we head out to Valleybrook to gather with our church family and worship. Upon returning home, we devour lunch, and it's quiet time for the whole family. We enjoy a good Sunday afternoon nap or book as we aim to rest and reset for the next week. Depending on the weather, we love a good walk outside, and the evening is typically reserved for board games, a movie night, or a visit with grandparents. We try our best to spend time with our children without the distraction of phones and to-do lists, as we know those will be waiting for us come Monday morning. The finale of our Sabbath is the Sunday night meal. We try to make it fancy with a big dinner. We light a candle that reminds us that Jesus is the light of the world. We recite our family mission statement and scripture, and then it ends typically with a decadent dessert and a final blessing spoken over our children. Now, I can't take any credit for the structure of our Sabbath, as many of our ideas came from practicing the way and my husband's persistence in making it an integral part of our week. Ideally, this is what we aim for, but it is also not perfect and can be marked by meltdowns, hiccups, meal planning flops, laziness on our part, and unexpected sickness. But we strive to connect with each other and observe the spiritual practice of rest like Jesus. If Jesus need to find a quiet place to rest and pray, we probably should practice this way as well. And so then we were asked to uh, speak on how the Lord has blessed us uh, through this spiritual practice. And the short response to this is that we believe that Jesus's invitation into his way of life is true life to its fullest. And we give all that we have to follow him, which is a blessing in itself. We trust that our active participation in what Jesus has taught us will allow the fruits of the Spirit to grow in us. And whether in parenting or walking beside you, our church family, we're indebted to the work of practicing the way and reminding us that in Scripture, long before God ever commanded the Sabbath, it was a gift woven by God into the fabric of the universe. With this in mind, we've begun to remove the busyness and hustle once a week from our lives to stop, rest, delight, worship, and just to enjoy God's gift. So with that, I'd like to conclude with reciting a prayer on rest, on, on Sabbath rest. Almighty God, who after the creation of the world rested from all your works and sanctified a day of rest for all your creatures. Grant that we, putting away all earthly anxieties, may be duly prepared for the service of your sanctuary, and that our rest here upon earth may be a preparation for the eternal rest promised to your people in heaven through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you.
Well, Kevin and Chelsea, thank you for letting us in on your family's uh, experience of Sabbath and for being transparent with us and sharing that with us. So last week we looked at what the scripture tells us about stopping. And if you missed that, you can go to our website and you can watch it or listen to it. But today I want to talk about this. You may or may not know that there are actually two times in the Old Testament where all of the Ten Commandments are listed. And one of them is in the book of Exodus where Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and God gives him the Ten Commandments and then he comes down and brings them to the people. And that's a whole story in itself. But the second time is found in the book of Deuteronomy. And this is some 40 years later after the Mount Sinai event. And Moses is coming to the end of his life and he knows this and he's recognizing that he needs to begin to prepare his people that he's not going to be their leader forever so he's preparing them for Joshua to take over and he's preparing them also for their entrance after his death to the promised land because he was already told by God that he would not enter the promised land and so Moses is inspired by God to remind them of what they are supposed to do in their relationship with God in this covenant because the Ten Commandments are part of God's covenant with his people. Now, with that in mind, I want us to compare what God gave Israel at Mount Sinai and, and what Moses said to Israel 40 years later. So we're going to put this, those both scriptures side by side on the screen behind me, and you're going to see that there's some differences. So in the book of Exodus, I'm just going to go straight down it, and then we'll come to Deuteronomy. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now let's go to Deuteronomy. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. A little difference there. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So you can see some differences and we're going to talk through those differences. Let's first look at the, the first verse of both. At Mount Sinai, God said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And then 40 years later, Moses said, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. So there's an obvious difference right off the bat. The first word of each statement of the command is different. One version says remember, the other version says observe. So while these are two different words or verbs in the Hebrew language, they do have similar meanings. But there's a significant difference in the word 
that's translated as observe. And in fact, some translators would translate it as watch carefully because it implies this active participation rather, rather than just recollecting. It's an active participation. So one scholar writes that to observe the Sabbath, there must be a studied effort to keep the day holy and actual involvement in its requirements and prohibitions. The, the change in verb may well reflect a tendency on Israel's part to have made the requirement of Sabbath keeping a matter of mere formality or even indifference. This is what the commentator says. This new expression of the commandment would then address the issue more firmly. Support for this, he writes, lies in the clause, as the Lord God has commanded you. A statement, he points out, that's lacking in Exodus, but no doubt's referring back to the first time the law of Moses was given. So the first five books in the Old Testament will show you, if you read through them, time and time again, how the Israelites failed in their faithfulness to God. And so here we are 40 years later and we're observing that Moses with his fellow Israelites is recognizing that in 40 years there's a whole new generation of Israelites who have been born, who have grown up and now who are adults and there's a whole other generation that has died and been buried. And now before his life ends, Moses wants to encourage this new generation. He wants to exhort this new generation of Israelites to remember and to observe what God has commanded them to do. So those Ten Commandments, as I said, they're part of a covenant that God made with the children of God. And these commandments were countercultural. They were countercultural then, they're countercultural today. Because God called his people to to not live and to not act like everybody else in the world, like everybody else in the culture. These were commands to not be like the Joneses, so to speak, to be different, to be faithful followers in a relationship with God. Now, with regards to the command about the Sabbath, I want to remind you again that the Sabbath is a word that means to stop, to cease, to rest. And so to keep the Sabbath by stopping and taking a day of rest then was countercultural, and today it's countercultural. In fact, this is what we should recognize. Observing the Sabbath by resting is to be different. It's intentional by God. Taking a day each week to stop work, to unplug, to unwind, to, to cease the rat race is countercultural. But it's also good for us. It's healthy for us. And it's different than what most people are doing. And while you may not have grasped that when God said to observe the Sabbath to keep it holy, what that word to be holy literally means is to be different. So let's go back and look at the first phrases again. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
And then in Deuteronomy, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So they both say, keep it holy. Now, I believe that when you and I hear that phrase, keep it holy, that, that makes us think of the holiness of God. And when we think about the holiness of God, that, that God is holy, that means to us he's sinless, that he's morally and ethically perfect in every single way. Thus, when we hear keep the Sabbath holy, our minds go in the direction of God's sinless moral perfection. And so what that sort of gets translated in our minds is that we assume that means that this day has to be perfect, that we're not supposed to make any mistakes, that it's supposed to be a day that where we avoid and don't think about or do anything that may cause us to make a mistake or sin. And of course, that's part of what it means to dedicate that day to God. But, but scholars point out that while holy can mean to be sinless and to be pure, it also means to be set aside for a particular use. So to keep the Sabbath holy means to make it different than the previous six days. As one scholar points out, a day cannot be holy in a moral sense. It just can't be. But a day can be set aside to be different than the rest of the other days. And if you look up the word holy in any dictionary, you'll see that, it, that it's defined. It defines the word holy as dedicating something to God or to some divine purpose. So when we observe the Sabbath by stopping by resting, we're dedicating that day to God by making the Sabbath day different from the other days of the week. So observing the Sabbath day by resting is supposed to be different. And, and think about that. You, you know, when we stop and slow down and rest and make that something that the rest of the world isn't doing. We, we are dedicating that to God and doing it. And we understand even from, from modern medicine, that's important that we take time, not just for physical rest, but for mental and emotional rest, for soul rest, that we actually let our bodies in their completeness rest and renew. Observing the Sabbath by resting is also supposed to be reflective. Both versions of the fourth commandment tell us that we should rest. And in fact, in each version, it's almost identical. But I'll, I'll choose the Exodus passage, which is carried verbatim in the De Deuteronomy passage. It says this, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. But there's some differences, if you remember, in the Deuteronomy passage. First, when it says animals... It's, it gives us two examples. It talks about letting your ox rest, letting your donkey rest. But the second difference is the beginning of what scholars say is the motive clause or the statement of rationale for these commandments. And there's a statement of rationale in both the Exodus and the Deuteronomy verses. But 
You see, in both verses of the commandment, they tell Israel and us why we should rest on the Sabbath. They give us a motive for rest. In Exodus, God says that we're supposed to rest because our creator rested. And you go back to the beginning of creation, and we see that after six days of creating, God stopped and he rested, not because God needed to, but because God was giving us a design, a pattern for how we should live our lives. That, yes, we can work Monday through Friday, and yes, we can do what we need to do around our house, our homes on Saturday, but on the seventh day, we rest. We rest. So God is reminding us of what he did for us, that he created the world and everything in it, and then he stopped and rested. And so like God, we can work and we can create for six days. But one day a week, we should stop. We should rest. We should reflect on what our creator has done for us in all of creation. But then when you get into the book of Deuteronomy, Moses gives us actually dual motives. He states in the last part of verse 14 and continues on in verse 15 what those motives are. He writes, the reason we should observe the Sabbath is so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remembering that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, let's remember to begin with that observing the Sabbath by stopping our work and resting is countercultural. All right, it goes against the rhythm and the world that we live in. I mean, right now, you and I know this, there are folks in Amazon trucks delivering packages probably to my house and probably your house. People are working all around us. But we've done something good already. We've, we've stopped the rhythm. We've stopped and we're resting and we're reflecting on what God has done. And we see this motive that's given in both Exodus and Deuteronomy. And... What God tells through Moses for us to do is that we're supposed to rest so that others can rest. So he said, you are supposed to cease your work so that your male and female servants also can rest. That, that was radical to think that was given by God inspiring Moses to say those things thousands and thousands of years ago, that you should actually rest so that those who work for you can rest. And then he reminds them. He reminds them that when they were in Egypt, they were slaves. Scripture says that God heard the cries of the Israelites when they were slaves in Egypt. He heard their cries when Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, pushed them to work harder and harder day in and day out. He increased that work so that they would have to make more bricks to build the kingdom of Egypt for the Pharaoh. And this was not just adults. It was every man, woman, and child to build an opulent kingdom 
or a human king. Moses wants to remind Israel that God brought them out of that bondage and out of that slavery and that they don't have to work day in and day out and make bricks for Pharaoh's kingdom. So through Moses' words, God wants to remind them that the almighty God with a, with a strong arm, an outstretched arm, delivered them, and he is a God of grace. He is a God who provides humanity with a Sabbath, a day to rest. And God doesn't demand ceaseless work, but instead he's a God who wants his people to have a rhythm of life where they stop and rest on a weekly basis. So Moses tells them this so that the next generation of Israelites will remember and reflect on how God delivered them and how God gave them a Sabbath, how he, he rescued them, delivered them out of slavery and ceaseless work and gave them a day to cease work and to rest. And yes, to reflect on all that God had done to redeem them. Remember, redeem means to buy back, to buy them back from slavery. So if we think that through for us as followers of Jesus, observing the Sabbath by resting allows us to reflect on all that God has done for us. As Christians, it allows us to understand and, and think about our ancient spiritual history. Now, I know that oftentimes that ancient spiritual history of ours that goes all the way back to Israel and Egypt and all the way back to creation sometimes feels unrelated and, and distant, but God did all of that redemptive work in Israel as part of our spiritual history and legacy as children of God. And those redemptive acts through Israel's history point us to God's ultimate act of redemption for all who would believe in Jesus. Through Jesus' death on the cross, he redeems us from the slavery of sin and the power of death, which would separate us from God for eternity. He does this for our behalf because he loves us, because he wants us to experience and know freedom from sin, that he has redeemed us. He offers all of that so that we can rest and not strive to think that we have to do something to be good enough to get our way to heaven. There is no way we could ever work and be good enough because one bad deed would outdo all of the good deeds. So we have a God who understands that we need a savior. And he sent that savior to redeem us so that we could rest instead of strive. But reflecting on the Sabbath is, is not just about the future Sabbath rest that the book, the author of the book of Hebrews talks about with regards to heaven. It's also about the here and now. And we need to understand that Observing the Sabbath by resting is life-giving. I mentioned this before, but all you got to do is go and Google how much rest we need. And you'll see that modern medicine will tell us that all of us need to cease work. All of us need to take time off. All of us need to rest. 
and take time away from work on a regular basis for our physical health, but also for our mental and emotional health. Corey Tim Boom is credited with the saying, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Think about that. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. He'll make you so busy that you'll forget about your redemption in Christ. He'll make you so busy that you'll forget about everything that God has done. He'll make you so busy that you'll work yourself literally to death. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So with that in mind, I think we need to recognize that practicing the Sabbath confronts some of the idols in our 21st century world. Idols that we may be aware of, idols that we may not be aware of. Now remember, in the Ten Commandments, not only did it talk about the Sabbath, but it also talked about idolatry. In fact, two times it talked about how we're not supposed to make anything an idol, something that we spend more time focusing on, spend more time and attention on, thinking about or working for than God. Anything that gets more attention in our lives than God gets could be an idol in our lives. A simple definition of of idolatry is that anything that takes more of our attention than God does. So observing the weekly rhythm of stopping our work and resting confronts some of the idols that may be in our lives. One of those idols could be busyness. We don't like to stop. We don't like to rest. We, we don't know what to do when there's nothing to do. If you had a therapist, they would tell you, you know, there's something wrong with that. You need to lean into that and figure it out. Another idol that stopping and resting confronts is workaholism. Now, look, I think it's fine and great to, to take Uh, joy in your work to, I would hope that any job you have, you enjoy. If not, I would encourage you to find one that you do enjoy. But even so, you need that time to take away. You know, the reality is this. One day you're not going to work in that job. And guess what? It's probably going to survive without you. You're not the savior of that company or that business or that job. And you know what? Not too long after you're gone, everybody that works there still will have moved on from when you work there. Because that's not our ultimate goal. That's not our reason for being. A simple recognition that there are things that can be idols in our lives. Another idol that it may confront in our lives is consumerism. Now, what are you saying, Clark? What do you mean consumerism? Well, oftentimes... The reason we work and have one job and maybe have a side hustle is why? So that we can have more. Stopping and resting confronts some of the idols in our lives. And it also confronts the idea that being a Christian is just about believing and not obeying. what, What do I mean? Well, remember that Jesus is our Savior and he saves Anyone who comes into a relationship and says, I believe in him, but believing in him means also following him. 
obeying his teaching and his commands, not to get our salvation, but to go deeper in that relationship with him, to, to recognize that he is our Lord and our Savior, and he is the leader of our lives, and we want to follow him. So God gave us the Sabbath to practice and observe and give us a life-giving rhythm that is not life-draining. You know, when we follow that rhythm and we take the risk to stop and to rest, I know for some folks that's going to be challenging because it means I've got to trust that my world's not going to fall apart, that um, whatever I'm doing will get done next week when whatever I'm working on doesn't mean my value is wrapped up in that. It means trusting God to stop and to cease work. I I want you to remember what Jesus said. He said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. He didn't say, I came that you may work and work abundantly. Yes, work is part of our lives. Even in retirement, there's work to be done. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly, to have it to its fullness. When we observe the Sabbath by stopping and resting, we find that it is life-giving. When you start leaning into this idea that maybe God gave us the Sabbath for a reason, you'll find it's life-giving. And don't be surprised, though, if you begin to try this, if you find some resistance in your own life, if you struggle with slowing down, relaxing, ceasing, stopping, resting. Because it may confront some of the idols in your life. I want to go back to a verse that is important to us about what Jesus said. He said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's important for us to recognize that Jesus wants something for us, not from us. He wants us to enjoy his yoke that is easy and his burden that is light. As Pastor John Mark Comer has said, Sabbath is a practice from the way of Jesus by which we war against the restlessness of our age and instead take on the easy yoke of Jesus, our rabbi, and we find rest for our souls. So I want to encourage you to to make the time to practice the rhythm of Sabbath rest. Make it a day that's different than the other six days of the week. Use it to rest and to reflect on what God has done for you and use it to do life-giving things. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, but as they do, I I want to encourage you. Uh, We have started this series and we are doing it in all of our small groups, which we call life groups here at Valley Brook. I would encourage you to go to our website, find the life group uh, tab and and look at what's available and consider joining the life group. We have in-person groups and a virtual group. So 
decide on that. But while you're there, I would also encourage you that you can actually download a, a workbook on Sabbath, and I would encourage you to do it because in it, it will give you some simple tips about how to consider leaning into this practice. And, and look, you know, in, in the Jewish culture, uh, Sabbath was a 24-hour period of time. I'm not saying that you need to start with 24 hours. Maybe it's just two hours. You know, start simple. Lean into it. See what God has for you by leaning into this ancient practice. You can download that material there for free. So I want to encourage you to do that. And I would encourage you, if you can't find a life group to join, find another follower of Jesus and work through this material together. There's teaching videos and also the participants workbook there. Why am I telling you all this? Because we believe that when we lean into following Jesus and these practices, he's going to transform our lives. So if you would, bow your heads now. I want to pray for you. Father God, we thank you so much for what you have done for us in Jesus. We thank you for the fact that you have given us this rhythm of life for our good. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us, that you would remind us of all that you've done for us, that we can rest in you, that we can trust that everything's going to be okay, and that we can enjoy that time resting in you. Draw us deeper into what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. We pray this in your name.